La da da. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the highlight of civilization. It's called Coffee with Scott Adams. There's never been a finer moment in your life, although tomorrow looks good. Happy President's Day, if you would like to celebrate today in the proper way. All you need is a, a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker, chalice or stein, a canteen, jug or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. We all like coffee, don't we? Well, I do. Fill it with your favorite liquid, and join me now for the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip. Go. Yeah, that's good. Oh, Jay, you seem so confused by the hoaxes. (laughs) I'm sorry 4chan did that to you. All right, uh, let's talk about uh, all the news. Uh, Apparently, uh, President Biden visited Ukraine. Uh, Obviously, the reason he visited Ukraine, I don't have to fill in the blanks, do I? It's safer than being in Ohio. I think the Secret Service said, look, you can either go to Ohio or you can go to the middle of a war zone. Which do you choose? Oh, that war zone's looking good. So, uh, seems like he's going to the safest place on earth, Kiev. Um, I would like to agree with one of my critics, if I might. Jimmy Dore, who I have uh, <laughs> I've disagreed with in the past. Uh, he, I think he was one of the people who got fooled by the 4chan hoax about me. But that's a different issue. Uh, lately, he's been talk well, not lately, but he's uh, getting more press lately about talking out about the Ukraine-Russia conflict. And his take is that uh, it's the entire war is just a United States money grab. That the military-industrial uh, complex wants a continuous war, so they just have one whenever they need some extra money. And um, on top of that, it's always about, uh, it's always a case of, uh, we always seem to attack places that have uh, an energy conflict with us. (laughs) It's just a coincidence. We always seem to be going after the places that have some big energy-related business. Just a big old coincidence, isn't it? Now, you can certainly make the argument that there's a you know, big geopolitical reason for everything we're doing, but why does it always correspond with follow the money? Why does follow the money perfectly predict everything while there are all these other reasons we're doing it? Huh. Huh. So I'm going to be 100% on the Jimmy Dore side on this, um, and I also believe it could be negotiated. What do you think? Do you think we're at a point where we could negotiate the end of the war? We could, but it would require making Ukraine unhappy. So I don't know if we're, we have the, the ability to do that, but yeah, it's completely negotiable. Um, here's a sign of the times. I would like to note today, actually yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday. Yesterday is the day that this happened. So remember this day. 
<laughs> yesterday was the day I tweeted a video of Anthony, Anthony uh, Blinken and asked people if they could tell if it, were, if it was a deep fake or real. And the answers were about 50-50. It was real, as far as I know. <laughs> as far as I know, I took it from the news. So it was just a news report, right? I just took my camera up to the TV. Because while I was watching it, I said to myself, the, the stiffness with which he's talking makes him indistinguishable from a deep fake. And so people were analyzing the video and saying, ah, oh, yeah, it's definitely a deep fake, and they would give their reasons. For example, there was this weird thing where his shirt seemed to be tucking under his, his coat while he talked that didn't look like it was real. <laughs> and, um, yeah, there, there were plenty of tells that it was fake. But it wasn't, as far as I know. So yesterday was the day that the actual public couldn't tell the difference between a real person and a fake in the real world. Every other, as far as I know, every other test has been, you know, just a random thing. Can you tell? Blah, blah, blah. So you could always tell what was fake just by the context. But as soon as I took away the context, you couldn't tell. Not you specifically, but, but about half of the people just couldn't tell. Couldn't tell. You re- just remember that that happened yesterday. That changes everything. <clears throat> That's the last time you can believe a video. The last time you can believe a video. Although I would argue that you know, we, uh, the news has been distorting videos by editing them selectively forever. So maybe it's not that different after all. Mexico's president uh, is trying to nationalize Mexico's lithium mining business. What do you think of that? And why? Mexico's president is trying to nationalize their lithium business. Doesn't that mean giving it to the cartels? I mean, I hate to be cynical, but isn't the government of Mexico, Mexico basically working for the cartels? As far as we know, I mean, our our current understanding of Mexico is that the cartels just took over a vital mineral that the United States needs for its economic survival. A little bit of hyperbole there. I don't know, the argument for going in militarily just keeps improving. Just keeps improving. So we got that going on. Um... Yeah, and here's something else. I believe that Trump could negotiate with the cartels. He's the only person in the world who could do it. He could actually ask for a meeting with the heads of the cartels. Trump could do that. And then he could say, here's the deal. I'm going to kill all of you. Unless you want to figure some way to work your way into the productive part of the economy... Because remember, the United States had its own robber barons in our early days, right? You know, the people who built the railroads and stuff, they were basically just flat-out criminals. But once they get rich enough, sort of like, uh, sort of like the mafia in Las Vegas, you know, the mafia settles Las Vegas, but then they make a ton of money, and it's kind of easier just to be a legitimate business after that. It's just easier. 
You don't have to hide anything. So it seems to me that Trump is the only person in the world, if he were president and if he wanted to, he could actually call the heads of the cartel into a meeting. I mean, it might have to be on Zoom, but he could actually have a meeting. And he could say, here's the deal. You've got two choices. You work with us to turn your massive operation into something that's a legal business, or we kill all of you. And it's going to happen by the end of the year. Now, I don't know that that would make any difference, but I know everything else we're doing is not working. I feel like they might take the offer. Because, you know, even if individuals are brave, all their family would be killed. Now, the other way you could play it is this. Uh, here, here are the, I don't know, three biggest cartels, whatever is the number. Um, if you don't agree to all simultaneous step down, I'm going to arm one of you against the others. And I'm going to make sure there's only one cartel in a year because I'll make sure that we help one of the cartels take over the others. And then I'll negotiate with the one that's left. So, so that's your other path. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure there's only one left and then I'll just negotiate with that one. Or you could agree now. But there's only going to be one left. And then we'll negotiate again. If I can't get a deal with one left, then it's going to go to zero. But those are your only options. Right? You're either going to disappear or you're going to deal. I don't know. If you imagine I'm thinking that it's likely to work, that would be incorrect. <laughs> Everything's a long shot. But he's the only one who could try that shot. Right? It's the one thing we haven't tried. There's only one person who could try it. So we'll see. <clears throat> I would be just as happy as if they were all killed. Happier, actually. Um, so uh, Trump is provoking again. So he, he truthed a statement. I'll, I'll just paraphrase it. Basically, Trump was complaining when uh, some third, third-rate reporter, as he says, asked him a question about trusting Putin, and he had said in public that he trusted him. Now, you shouldn't believe that. That's just what you say when Putin's standing next to you and you're trying to get a deal. That's, that's just what you say in public. Anybody who is dumb enough to think that Trump actually trusted Putin, that would be a pretty bad interpretation. <laughs> he said it. He said it in public. But why would that be the one thing you believe? And of all the things he says that are clearly hyperbole or you know, bending the truth, why would that be the one you believe? But anyway, he pointed out that our own, uh, the U.S. Intelligence Service, and he named names from Clapper and Brennan and McCabe and his girlfriend, Lisa, <laughs> as Trump likes to say. <laughs> um, and so Trump actually said that our own, uh, our own intel organizations are less trustworthy than Putin. Do you think that caused anybody to... <laughs> to be triggered into TDS. Now, he's, Trump has been sort of you know, lay, laying low relative to his usual for a few years. Have we already forgotten how he talks? Did we? Did we forget how he talks all the time? He, he's just driving a tremendous amount of energy to himself where people argue whether he genuinely means that we should trust our own intel organizations 
less than Putin. By the way, I would trust them less than Putin. I can say that. Because the ones he named are absolutely criminal. Uh, well, not criminal. They, they did things which I wish were illegal enough for them to go to jail. But probably not. Probably not. I wish it were illegal. I guess it isn't. But it, here's my take. Putin might lie 90% of the time. <laughs> that still makes him competitive with our own intelligence agencies. If Putin lied 90% of the time, I'd say, oh, that looks about the same. Similar. You know, maybe, it's, maybe it's 80 versus 90. I don't know. I can't cut it that... I can't slice it that finely. But absolutely, our own intelligence agencies are traitors and, and should be criminals, but probably are not. And that's just Trump being Trump. So, and then a lot of people were like, oh, false equivalency and all that. And like, that's exactly what he wants you to do. He wants you to get all excited about how wrong it is. Oh, it's so wrong that you would say that. And then he draws all the energy to himself and gets all this free press. And then people start going, well, yeah, you got a little bit of a point there. So, um, would you like to hear about me losing a debate on Twitter like a dog? I already teased the, uh, the people on uh, Locals that I would do this. Because I know you like it when I just get my ass kicked. All right. So here's me getting my ass kicked on Twitter. So Twitter user uh, uh, Jeff, whose Twitter account is... Uh, damn it. I wrote it down here somewhere. I don't want to give him credit. I wonder if my my note taking is terrible. All right, what the hell is wrong with me? I'm sure I wrote that down. All right, well, Jeff, uh, I'll give you credit later, but I can't find your Twitter account. So, Jeff, um, I think he's a. By the way, I think he's a DeSantis supporter. I'm not sure his full background. Uh, <laughs> So Jeff tweeted the Trump uh, and injecting disinfectant slash bleach hoax, which apparently he believed was true. And so I spent a little time you know, debunking the hoax. Now, so far, I'm doing well, right? Because if you've seen me debunk the drinking bleach hoax, you know that the debunk is 100% clean. <clears throat> it's a really good debunk. It was a real technology that was being tested. The, the quote from Trump was edited. If you see the full thing, he's talking about light. Light was really being tested inside the body, injected inside with a, into the trachea. And so it's easy to debunk it. So then I thought, well, winner. I have, I have debunked the heck out of that. <laughs> so I was feeling good about myself. Then I noticed uh, Jeff had a spaces. He was doing a spaces thing for Trump supporters to come in and try to make their case. And I turned it on just because I thought it might get mentioned because <laughs> I just got done debating him on, online. And I hear Jeff say that if you have to explain what your leader said... <laughs> do I have to finish? If you have to explain what your leader said, not just once, 
this isn't the one time. I just got done doing it a second time. I literally just got done doing it. Now, I get, I get that the, the media distorts them. But why doesn't DeSantis have that problem? Why not? It's obviously Trump, right? He speaks in a way that is provocative. And I'm not sure he needs to at the moment. It definitely helped him in the first election. At the moment, I'm not sure it's helping him. And so, Jeff, I uh, accept my defeat. You're right. If I have to spend more of my time explaining what Trump said four years ago, that's on him. That's on Trump. Trump could have easily explained away the uh, injecting bleach thing by saying, oh, it's a real technology. If you look at the full quote, I was talking about light. How easy would that have been? Pretty easy. Instead, he tried to make it sound like he was doing sarcasm at the time, which was ridiculous. Nobody believed that. <laughs> so this is a, a complete, you know, shoot yourself in the foot kind of thing. And so, Jeff, you win. If I, if I have to keep explaining what Trump meant, that's, that's the, you win. That, that, there's nothing I can say to that. You win. All right. <clears throat> that, by the way, was a sincere, sincere loss of a <laughs> debate, <laughs> although I was right on the bleach stuff. Um, how many of you believe it's impossible that Biden could have gotten, what was it, 80 million or 81 million votes? How many of you believe that's a good, like, skeptical thing to say? There's no way he could have gotten way more votes than Obama. Do you think that's a good point? Yeah, that's not really a good point. See, if you count the, just the population increase of the country, everybody gets, gets more votes. Like, it's four years later. The country actually is a bigger country in four years. Uh, secondly, it was you know, the whole uh, ballot voting at home thing. The voting at home thing could explain all of it. Now, there's a secondary question of whether that was done legally and copacetically. That's a good separate question. But that, there, there's no conflict with the fact that he got that many votes. I'm not saying the election was clean or not clean. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying that if that's your reason for thinking it was rigged, I don't think that holds up. I just don't think that holds up. I do think, and I'll, I'll think this to my death, that um, you can't tell if an election is rigged because we don't have a way to audit all of it. It's not all transparent, so you can't tell. Now, I don't... Uh, do you remember early in the, um, the questioning of the 2020 election? Do you remember what I cautioned? I cautioned you that whether or not anything is ever discovered about the election being, you know, not right, I told you that no matter what you find out, 95% of all the election rigging claims will be BS. Do you remember that? Said even if they find 5% that's true, and even if that 5% actually changed the election, that 95% of everything you hear would just be BS. How, how was that prediction? That was a pretty good prediction, wasn't it? Because we're, we're sitting here in 2023, and as far as I know, 
nothing conclusive has been found for voter, um, voter fraud. Am I right? Now, I would argue that it's unprovable, but it's also been not proven that there's fraud of any substance. Yeah, you, you could argue that nobody looked in the right places, etc. But everywhere they did look, and they looked at a lot of places, everywhere they did look, they didn't find anything. Doesn't mean there's nothing there. That, that was just my prediction. Pretty close. But I wouldn't repeat the 80 million thing. That, I don't think that holds up. That doesn't seem like a strong point. Um, President's Day poll. Rasmussen did a poll. Find out who is the, the best and worst presidents of the last five presidents. And uh, you would not be surprised that Trump wins for best president and worst president. <laughs> so we're just talking about uh, Bill Clinton, uh, Biden, Trump, uh, George Bush, and Obama. So the last five. So of those, uh, Trump is the most, uh, he got the most votes, 36%. And he also got the most votes for the worst president. So (laughs) that's Trump. All right. Let me ask you a question. I can't tell if this is an artifact of the algorithm trying to serve me what I want, mostly on Instagram. Or is this a trend? So here's the question. Are you seeing a trend on social media or in life in general of mindset, um, affirmations, um, law of attraction, and manifestation? Are, Are you seeing like a whole bunch of new stuff? Like there's a whole bunch of new gurus. They're usually young people, not always. So, so some of this is uh, what I tend to be following on social media. Right? So I get, I'm, I'm fed this all day long on, on Instagram. So it's probably because of my interest. All right, but I wanted to clarify something that I heard. And I, I'm not sure I have a, <clears throat> a solid opinion on this yet, but I'll, I'll run it by you. I saw one of these mindset gurus say, that you should not be thinking in terms of what you want, the typical way you do an affirmation. You know, a typical affirmation would be, you know, I will be rich, I will get it, I will have a good love life, uh, I'll be happy, you know, I'll get that raise, those sort of things, fairly specific. Um, but one expert says that you should instead be telling the universe who you are, not what you want, but who you are. And by that theory, once you know who you are, the universe starts delivering. Isn't that interesting? And I tried to think, I wonder if, you know, because I've talked about affirmations in my my career, and I I have a string of insanely unlikely events in my life that were the subject of affirmations, becoming a famous cartoonist, the odds against that were like a million to one. Being a number one best-selling author with no, never wrote a book before. First book, number one bestseller. I mean, that's crazy stuff. That's just crazy. But those were actually the subjects of affirmations. Now, here's the part that I wonder about. 
Because while I was asking for specific things with my affirmations, to be a number one bestseller was a specific one, I was also thinking of myself as that person. So even though it wasn't part of my process to say, I am this person, I was thinking of it that way. I was thinking of it that way. I I had a strong impression of who I am, and that was always present in my affirmations, even though I didn't explicitly state it. And I wonder if that makes a difference. I wonder if any of it makes a difference. Let me be clear. I don't know if any of this works. It seems like it does. It really does seem like it does. And so uh, since I can't know one way or another, I treat it like it does until something falsifies that. Now, my, my belief of reality is that we're a simulation. And it does not seem unlikely that we can uh, create our own environment. Now, I'm seeing a lot of people connecting quantum physics with this idea of the law of attraction. And the idea is that we know in physics that things don't become real until they're observed, which doesn't make any sense, does it? Like, How do you understand your place in reality if one thing we know for sure is that something has to be observed or measured, which is similar to observed, uh, that, that at the quantum level, things literally don't exist until they're observed. Now we're, ki- we're creating all these big uh, you know, telescopes to see further into space. I'm not sure all that stuff was always there. <laughs> I, I think it might be created by the simulation because we need it there, because our, our ability to see got better. So it doesn't seem crazy to me that we could be players in a game and that we can steer our impression of reality by what we think of it and what we focus on and what we want and who we are. Now, I don't know if any of that's real, but I also don't know if anything's real. <laughs> you know, I go pretty deep in the skepticism. I don't even know if I'm talking to you. I mean, I don't know. I think I am, but I don't know. So uh, I just wanted to add that for those of you who are fans of the manifesting law of attraction affirmations. It might help you to think about who you are. I'll give you some specific examples from my case. Before I became a cartoonist, I was sure that I could do it better than the people who were already doing it. Now, that clearly is not the case if you're looking at the best cartoonists of all time. Uh, you know, Calvin Hobbes was better than anything I could do. Uh, Gary Larson, far side, I think he was just a better cartoonist than I am. Of course, both of them were retired when I hit my peak, so I wasn't competing against them. But um, I imagined myself as a creative person who could do those things. When I did my affirmations that I'd be a best-selling author, I never thought that was impractical because I imagined myself as someone who could write interesting stuff and that it would be interesting enough that it could be a bestseller. And then it was. So I was never outside of my own impression of myself. Now, part of my advantage is I have a... um, an inflated opinion of my abilities, which I do intentionally. I've told you that a hundred times. I always keep an inflated opinion of myself because it's useful. It's just utility. 
So I recommend that. Keep, a, keep an inflated sense of yourself. And here's what I would say if you had to pick one thing as your identity, <clears throat> something that's maybe not who you are yet, but somebody you could easily be and, and talk yourself into being. Here's the most important thing you could be. A learner. A learner. That, that's my number one self-impression. I never really thought about it much until just recently as I was thinking about it. But my number one thing I think about myself is that I'm a learner. That I can learn anything. And that if I need to compete with you on anything, I'm going to outlearn you. And then good luck. Good luck. <laughs> I, I don't know what your strategy is, but my strategy is to outlearn you. I'm going to learn the thing you're learning, and then I'm going to learn three things on either side of it. So I'm going to know everything you know plus four other things, completely different fields that are related. You're not competing with me on one, one learning. I'm going to outlearn the hell out of you. You don't have a chance. Now, that's always been my opinion of myself, and it works for every profession. So I've you know, changed, changed fields a number of times, and it always works. Because I always say in a new field, well, I have no idea how to do this. But watch me learn it. Here's a true story from the day I got my um, offer to be a, a cartoonist. So as I'm on the phone, and the editor for United Media, a company that gave me my first break, the editor said, uh, blah, blah, we'll offer you a contract. You know, it was my big break. And here's what I confessed. I said, honestly, I don't know how to do a Sunday comic because I look at how the experts are doing and the coloring is sort of perfect. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever looked at a Sunday cartoon and they never color outside the lines? It's like perfect. And For context, this was 1988. Right? If I said this today, you just say, uh, that's just Photoshop. You just, you just click on it, and it just fills it in. It does it perfectly every time. <laughs> so today, I know that. In 1988, I didn't, know how car- I didn't know how cartoonists colored it in. So I said to the editor, you know, I- I'd like to accept your offer, but I have to confess, I don't even know how to do this work. I have no idea how they make a Sunday comic. How do they put the color in and do it so perfectly? Remember, this is before Photoshop etc. And then my editor said, the printer puts the color in. And I said, what? <laughs> what? It was the number one thing that was preventing me from becoming a, probably a cartoonist sooner is that I thought I didn't know how to do it. It turns out nobody did it. It was a thing that wasn't done. The printer added the color. The printer. <laughs> Now, the cartoonist would uh, put a little number and some lines to indicate what color to use, but that's the easy part. Now, at the moment, it's just done in Photoshop. It's just, you know, click and fill. But um, I was not afraid of becoming a cartoonist simply because I didn't know how to do any of it. It didn't even stop me a little bit. I mean, I admitted it so that I could work, work through a solution, but I knew I could learn it. I just figured, I'll learn it. Same with writing a book. 
Do you have any idea how hard it is to write a book? Have you ever thought about that? It's insanely hard. It's like really, really hard. Now, the, it's not as hard maybe if it's like a historical story and you know the story, so you're just writing it down, or it's a biography or something, that's a little easier. But if you're writing a book from scratch that is mostly your own ideas and you're trying to fill an entire book and make it all make sense and not be repetitive and all that other stuff, it's crazy hard. And do you know how much I knew about making a book the first time I tried writing one? Nothing. Nothing. You should have seen the edits that came back. It was like more edits than there were text. It was just terrible. But I learned how. I learned by doing it wrong, but now I know how to make a book. So this this latest one that I just submitted, I've got some more editing to do, but basically done, um, was way easier because I'm a learner. So I learned all the things you need to do to make a book, and now I can put together a book pretty easily. I learned how to do live streaming, you know, my own version of it. But I started out terrible, and I learned. I didn't even have a voice that worked. I couldn't even speak well without sounding terrible. But I figured it out, and I learned, and blah, 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 blah. So here's my bigger point. Um, I have a theory that wherever education is a top priority, the people do well. That's it. That's it. End of story. Everywhere that people prioritize education, that population does great. And everywhere they don't, it doesn't matter what else they do. All the other things together means nothing. Let me tell you what my mother taught the kids, when I was a kid, you're going to college. But, Mom, I'm in kindergarten. You're going to college. That's how you succeed. But can we talk about this later? Really, I'm, I'm five. You're going to college. You're going to college. You're going to college. But how could we afford that? Don't worry about it. You're going to college. You're going to college. You're going to college. Learn to read before you get into um, kindergarten, or at least you know the alphabet and stuff. Why? Education is the most important thing. From the time I was a zygote, my mother was just drilling that into me. So what did I do? I thought education was my top priority. And... I could change to probably 15 different industries today and get a job. Probably there's probably 15 different jobs I could have, different industries, just because I'm a learner. I just keep learning. And you learn enough, you just can do a lot of different stuff. So here's my problem with uh, everybody who's complaining about their community is not doing so well. Make education the top priority, or shut the fuck up. It's not anybody else's problem. If you make education the top priority, all the resources will come toward you. They will. It's the, it's the law of attraction. You become a learner. Let's say you're a, a black kid in America, and you're in a poor area. You define yourself as a learner, and you stick with it, you're going to do fine if you stay out of jail. 
as well. But that's it. That's all you need. You need to be a learner. Now, maybe your school is terrible, is practically impossible. Well, go learn something else that's legal and useful. You don't think you can find people to teach you stuff? You don't have access to the Internet? You can't learn anything? All right. If you're a learner or a seeker, I'll help you all you want. You just have to ask. Hey, I would like to learn this thing. Absolutely. Do you know how many people have contacted me to learn how to be a cartoonist? A lot. When I have time, I usually help them. Just ask. Right? You, know, you, want, you want all the resources you need to be successful in life? It'll come to you. you just got to be a learner. As, as soon as people realize you're a learner, they'll organize around you to make sure that you succeed. Um, very much like uh, goodwill hunting. <laughs> I'll use the, the, fictional, the fictional story. I mean, the, the hero in goodwill hunting um, was a learner. And his little town organized to make sure that he succeeded. That's the way it works everywhere. My, my little town organized to help me succeed as well. You know, they, they put the fix in. Because they could see who I was. And I think that, that getting back to should your affirmations be about what you want or should it be about who you are? Well, I'll tell you, if you're a black kid in a poor area and all of the, the forces of your culture are you know, pushing you toward playing in the NBA, which isn't going to happen, or being a drug dealer, which is a bad idea... Um, if, you can, if you can define yourself as the one who's going to get out of there by being the learner, you will. You will. Now, my understanding, and of course it's very limited because I'm looking from the outside, is if you're in some communities and you're too serious about school, that you will be abused by the bullies. You know, that's like being too white or something. But if you can't handle that, you probably won't be successful anyway. Do you, do you know how much I got mocked in school for being a good student? Anybody, do you, has anybody experienced that? Uh, have any of you been like the good student in the class and you get mocked forever for being the nerd? How did you respond to it when it happened to you? This might be just where I'm genetically different. But every time somebody mocked me for being smart, I felt good. I felt good. Period. Every time. Every time. Do you know why? Because they were confirming my own view of myself. Now, they would say you know, words like nerd, and, and I would think, whatever you want to call it. If that's what you want to call someone who knows more than you do, Okay, okay, okay. Apparently you're not very good at, at uh, vocabulary either, if that's your best vocabulary word. How about future success? <laughs> but, I, I, but here's what I detected. Every one of those people who mocked me for doing well in school, they were all jealous. Because they knew... They could see it. They knew it was going to make a difference. They knew it. Oh, they knew it. 
And they watched it from the, these, you know, the seed stage. They, people stopped me when I was nine years old, and they could predict I was going to be successful, and did. You know, when I was a little kid, people would tell me, well, you're going to be rich. And it was always because I was just a learning machine, and I was serious about you know, making something work. So I'm a little bit... Um, I don't know what to do with this exactly, but here's what I would teach um, any, any person in a tough situation. So I'm going to use a black American kid in a, in a poor situation as my example, but it would apply to everybody, right? Um, it applied to me as a, as a low-income white guy. The system is rigged. The system is totally rigged against you. Against you. But there is a cheat code, and the cheat code is learning. You can learn your way past any system. It's the only way. Well, maybe crime if you get away with it, I suppose. But you can beat every rigged system. Is there systemic racism? I say yes. I know some of you don't want to accept that. But I say yes. I say there's a lot of it. And it matters. It's a big, big deal. And you can slice through it like a hot poker through butter by just learning more than the people around you. Period. That's it. Straightforward. Learn more than the people around you. You get more stuff. Learn more, win more. Learn more, win more. That's it. It's there for everybody. How, how did I get out of my small town? I outlearned the people who didn't. That's it. It's available for everybody. Now, I think just the emphasis on education is, is what's needed. And um, if anybody complains about their systemic racism, etc., I would say, what's your top priority? And then they'll say something like, getting rid of the patriarchy. And then I say, oh, you don't understand how success works. Your actual problem is you don't understand how anything works. Let me explain it to you. Education and learning is how you beat every system. So if if your top priority is racism, you lose. If your top priority is equity, you lose. If your top priority is the unfairness, you lose. If your top priority is you know, getting a transfer from other people to you, probably you'll lose. Or you might win in the short term, but you'll lose in the long term. It, they're all losing paths. There's one winning path. Stay out of jail and outlearn the people you want to get away from. Just outlearn them. It's all available. Every, every bit of that is available to everybody. So uh, I just don't want to hear anybody who doesn't prioritize school or education. I don't want to say just school. Uh, anybody who doesn't prioritize, prioritize education first don't even want to hear about their complaints. Not even interested. Because they, they need to fix that first. It's a mindset problem which they've decided is our problem or your problem or somebody else's problem. And I think that we were always... We, those who like a system that works better. Um, I think we're always 
attacking the wrong targets. I feel like there's so many variables swimming around, and some people say it's this variable, and if you just fix this, and what about the school systems, and blah, 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 blah. And I think all of those are maybe areas that need to be improved. But if, if education isn't your top priority, you're not really a serious person. So I wouldn't even listen to your complaints, really. All right. Um, I solved the uh, excess death problem. Um, it'll take you a while to catch up to me, because <laughs> you won't believe me. But it goes like this. Were you aware that uh, loneliness causes heart disease? How many of you knew that? Loneliness causes heart disease. Yeah. And pretty big difference. The difference between lonely and not lonely is like 11 to 16% more cardiac issues. So I did a little poll, an unscientific poll on Twitter, and I asked people if they're more or less lonely um, since the pandemic. About about a quarter of the people, now this is not the 25% like other 25%. This 25% is people just describing their own situation, so this is not the 25% who gets every question wrong. Because when people are describing their own situation, they get that right. Um, but imagine if uh, the pandemic and all that comes with it, and our, our screens and our technology and stuff, um, let's say that's true for the general public. I don't know that it is. could be more, could be less. But let's say it's a quarter of the people are lonelier. And... Being lonelier gives you a 16% at the high end. More cardiac issues. That would be the entire excess deaths. The entire excess deaths would be explained by extra loneliness, which causes heart problems. Where? Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. It would be every age. Because remember, part of the... Part of the thing we didn't understand about the excess deaths is that it appears to be everywhere. And it's the everywhere part that's weird, which also makes you think it's COVID or vaccinations, because those are two things that are so widespread. But there is one other thing that's pretty widespread. And the thing that's pretty widespread, and definitely worse, is loneliness. And... Um, I'm, I'm seeing lots of it with my locals, um, local subscribers, because a lot of what a lot of what I do on locals is a solution to loneliness. I'm, I'm a basically a, a virtual friend, and when I do my evening um, uh, podcasts or live streams, that's when you see it the most. So when I do my uh, live streams from my man cave, where it's more casual, we're not talking about the news, it's more like spending time with a friend. And, and I see from you know, my audience on Locals, not all of them, of course, but many of them um, are really lonely. And it really does make a big difference that I do this every morning. I never miss a morning. That's why I do it. That's part of the reason that I don't miss a morning, because I realize that a lot of people use it as part of a, a social um, asset, I guess. And so I don't want you to lose that. So that's your whole solution right there. 
Because these are things that nobody would argue with. Right? I don't believe there's any scientific argument that extra loneliness would cause extra heart disease. Does anybody doubt that? Does anybody doubt the basic concept, loneliness equals heart disease? Are we good with that? Then the only other, if that's true, then the only question is, is the extra loneliness enough to explain all of the excess deaths? And, and also, is the loneliness worse than when we were uh, locked up? Because it might be. It might be worse. Because th- here's what, the weird thing that happened when w- the lockdowns ended. When the lockdowns ended, a lot of telecommuting remained. And I got a feeling that there were a lot of houses where you know, the man and the woman and the kids were all in the house at the same time. And maybe you drove each other crazy, but you weren't lonely. <laughs> you're, you're all in this house all day. Now, now you take, okay, the, the wife is off doing something, or the husband, you know, make it non, non-sexist. Uh, kids are in school, and you're just sitting home telecommuting, and you're just all by yourself. It's pretty horrible, actually. You know, there, the, the, since the pandemic, um, there are days when I don't talk to anybody all day. Now, that's probably unusual. But I actually have days where I don't talk to any human being in person, maybe by communicate by you know, digital means, but none. I, I have no human contact some days. Not even unusual. Maybe once a week I have no human contact. I don't plan it. It just sort of happens. It usually means that I had something planned that fell through. Because, you know, I, I try to fill my schedule with a little bit of human contact. But sometimes something gets cancelled or whatever, and then you're like, oh, well, I guess I didn't talk to any people for 24 hours. Please seek professional help. What? <laughs> does, does anybody think I'm not happy? I, I swear to God, I haven't had a bad day in months. Like, I don't even have a bad day. When I said that I didn't see people all day, did it sound like I was sad? It's usually fine. Like if it were you know, three or four days in a row, I'd probably go insane. But one day without human contact, that's fine. It's a good day. Yeah, so yesterday I had almost no human contact. Almost none. I talked to one person at the gym for three minutes. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Uh, but I had a really good day. Yeah, yesterday was a good day. So I practiced my guitar and my drums, and I exercised. I took the dog out. It was sunny. Weather was perfect. Got a bunch of stuff done. Went to Starbucks. I guess I talked to the cashier. Told told her my order. Well, that's about it. All right. So that's the solution for the uh, excess deaths, as far as I know. Um, we have this question about whether students using AI and the chat GPT thing for school homework, uh, whether there was some way to identify when the student didn't do the work and AI wrote it. So I saw, I saw a uh, reel, and I, I can't guarantee this is all true, but I think it's true, um, that there is a piece of AI that can spot things made by AI. 
So, so if you use ChatGPT, the teacher can use another AI that I won't mention, I forgot to write it down, that will spot it. But the student can use ChatGPT, but know that they'll get caught. So there's another AI, a separate one, that rewrites the first one to make it undiscoverable. Now, at the moment, I don't think there are too many students who would know how to navigate that world, but that's going to be 10 minutes from now before they figure it out, right? It's like in 10 minutes, they're going to figure that out. So, Atomic Heart? Is that like Atomic Habits? Um, recognizes an AI soulmate. Oh, does it? All right. <clears throat> yeah, the new version is going to be like 500 times smarter, right? That's coming out anytime. <laughs> ben Garrison uses chatbots. Is that true? Yeah, so um, I really don't know what's going to happen in our future, which is, I guess, the big takeaway. We have no idea what's going to happen in the future. All right. Um, loneliness is a broken heart, sort of. Will it make us 500% dumber? Maybe. I feel like um, um, the bridge generation where I was born and grew up before the internet, but also before AI. There will be very few people who knew what that world looked like eventually. Like, we'll, we'll be like the, the last World War II survivors and stuff. I'll be like, eh, let me tell you. We, we used to leave the house in the morning and we were completely out of communication all day long. Our only requirement was to be home for dinner, 5 o'clock. That's it. That's the only communication we had, be home at 5 o'clock. If your car broke down, you were in trouble. <laughs> like, my car broke down on the highway with no traffic and no, no homes around in the middle of the winter. I almost died. I almost died because cell phones were not invented. Yeah, I didn't have a jacket, and it was zero degrees, and my car died in the middle of, you know, outside of Syracuse, upstate New York, in February, and I ran for it. I've told you this story before, but I basically ran for it to see if I could get to uh, warmth before I froze to death, and I barely made it. A car picked me up, finally. There was only one car that went by the entire time. So... Uh, I'll tell stories like that to, you know, the youngsters who have their AI and their virtual reality and their internets and stuff, and they'll have no idea what that was like. No idea. Um, broken. It feels like the social contract broke in 2020. The social contract. Say more about that. What do you think was the social contract we had before and then what broke it? What is it now? 
Like, I feel like you're onto something. I'm just responding to a comment on the locals platform. But about fairness? I don't know. You know, we always think everything's broken, and then we find a way to muddle through. Oh, you think that work hard is a, makes you successful? You think that's broken? I don't think that's broken. That's very, very much intact. Hard work still works. That's still a good formula. I don't know. Um, yeah, I always keep a... I, I try to always keep a jacket in the car now for that reason. All right. Um, just looking at your comments here for a moment. All right, is there any story I missed? Anything I missed? Always keep a coat in your trunk. That's, that's good advice. Uh, um, ladies and gentlemen on YouTube, I'm going to say bye for now, and I will see you see you again soon. Oh, Biden in Ukraine. Yeah, I talked about that at the start. It's just safer than Ohio. How often is the man cave? Um, just when I feel like it. Epstein list. There's nothing new on that. All right. I think we've done it. Bye for now on YouTube. I'll talk to you 